Oh, papers rattling, things like this. You are tuned in to Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. We are back with a whole new season, the rattling paper season. I'm back in my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, and um, I've been wanting to do this for a while. If you notice, and back in 2020, I got to sit down with Larry Weaver, a big mentor to me, a person who really brought me into the scene and showed me how to do things. And uh, that one actually has a lot more listenings than some of my uh, bigger name people I've talked to, as a matter of fact, because Erie represents. And I'm here in Erie, and uh, episode one of the Erie series is a big one for me because this is with a man who... Back in those formidable days, I have more history with this guy than a lot of people. Myself. My brother Brian DePlacido is in the house. Vocalist for the band Lost, later Bullet for Fidel. Buckshot in the middle of that. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just he's just kind of in shock because a lot of people don't hang on to things like, you know, I could call this the hoarder cast. <laughs> I could call Talk So Real the hoarder cast because I'm for sure a hoarder. I have everything. I'm, he's looking at a set list right now from, uh, I don't know what show that was. But, um, Brian, are you ready? I love you, brother. I love you, brother, man. I'm Did we actually play all these shows? No. That was the, the wish list for 91. Okay. Get, let's let's like, go in order. We'll go in order. We'll like, get to that. You probably me- did, though. You played most of those like, cities. My memory might be worse than I even thought. Okay. To proceed this real quick, Brian and I, Lost was the first band I ever booked on tour. What's that? All right, we're going to go on. This. That's later. That's later. Come on, that's, that's 91. It's we're a, not. To, we're in 89 still. It's a strategy sheet that includes a cellular phone. <laughs> we weren't getting no cellular phones in 91, that's for sure. We're going to start in 89. Do you know... The first words I ever heard out of your mouth. No idea. You have no idea. What set my uh, quote unquote career off was February 1999, at the Continental Ballroom in Erie, Pennsylvania. My Three Scum put on a show with Lost, which is your band, and a band called Backwash, Alex Lewinger from submachine they're still around in pittsburgh that was his band rest in peace danny perry rest in peace danny yep. on the bass tragic god bless eric was gary bronze drummer for backwash i think he was i think he was i don't i could be wrong i think I, so i think you're right about that but i don't pre my three scum was my three scum had another drummer kenny kenny early on you're not gonna like this you're not gonna like this the first words I ever heard out of Brian's mouth was, he, the second band, Backwash was cool, Lost came on stage, I'd never heard y'all, didn't know who you were at all. Harbor Creek. They came on stage and you said, you guys want to hear a Bad Brain song? The first song was Rock for Light. We opened with it? You opened with Rock for Light. Whoa. I didn't know y'all, I didn't know anything about y'all, but Erie is a cover band city. You did all originals after that. But I, I was looking at y'all, I was like, I think I probably said out loud, I was like, no, I want to hear a Lost song. What is this? Y'all rocked out Rock for Light and then went into your set of originals, of which I had never heard before, and it was a really great show. 
Hmm. To my memory, we, I thought we used to close with that, but I think it was more like you were like, I don't know this crowd. I don't know what the hits is, you know. Well, those were the guys, you know, that got uh, got me into punk rock. Yeah, of course. I, I went to school with uh, Bobby Kellogg. Uh, Bob gave me um, uh, Bob gave me my first punk rock. He gave me a cassette of Pleasant Dreams by the Ramones. Yes. Him and Chucky Schumack and them, uh, this guy's out in Harbor Creek. And, I mean, I was from Harbor Creek as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, you know, we looked you know, looked up to them and wanted to, you know, play music. Although sure. we got interested in different, you know, uh, kind of some different music than what they were listening to. But uh, we were tight the entire time. I think probably, if, I don't know, this is just a guess, but I'll bet you like our first dozen shows were probably mostly opening for My Three Scum or playing with My Three Scum. Easily. Doing, doing something with My Three Scum. Well, what else was there? There wasn't that much. I mean, it was like what I always <sighs> tell people is my youth going to see shows in Erie was at the Civic Center, whenever a big heavy metal band would come, you'd just go because it was like something to do. Mm-hmm. And if you were, it was a local show that all ages could go to, it'd be like a church basement with Talon or some other, or Friction or some metal cover band. And there was a show with Talon that preceded this um, Continental Ballroom show. It was Talon, My Three Scum, and... Another, oh, I, I have the name on the tip of my tongue, but another local metal band, mostly covers. And we all went. Danny Perry was there. We were all there. There was a party, actually, at Mercyhurst afterwards, like an after party for the My Three Scum thing. And all the punks went. And all the metal dudes stood in the back. It was the, the church on eight, in Lily on 18th Street, 17th, 18th Street. I think it's actually on 16th. 16th, St. Andrews? St. Don't know. I don't know. It was one of it was a church definitely between Liberty and Peach somewhere in that vicinity. There's St. Paul's at sixteenth at on sixteenth street, but I don't think they ever had anything punk rock there. No, it was it was a church basement. Okay. And uh but that show in February of eighty nine, My Three Scum, Lost and Backwash, that was a big deal for me. We used to have to order our records, you know, we had to write letters and things. And I had seen the Laughing Hyenas open for Sonic Youth and a couple other shows and wrote a letter. My friends Mike and Rich and I were talking about, like, maybe we should start a fanzine. So we started writing to bands saying, hey, we'd love to interview you. Can we do an interview? This and that. John Brandon wrote me a letter back that said, you know, I probably ordered a T-shirt or something. And I said I wanted to do an interview. He wrote a letter. He's like, yeah, just call me anytime. This was right after that show. And at that show, or right around that show, and uh, I had met Paul Yachlin, who owned the Continental Ballroom, and I just went up to him that day and I said, hey man, if I could, could I book a show here? If I could get like some bands from out of town, could I do something here maybe? And he's like, if you think you can do that, just call me. He gave me his number. I probably went, I'm sure I bought your t-shirt and talked to you that day. What was happening at the Continental Ballroom before you uh, that show with Larry, that Larry put on with you guys. Yes. That was in February 89. Okay. The Laughing Hyenas show was April 89. Okay. But that, that, that day in February, I mean, they had, there was 150 some people there, at least. It was a killer not show. There was nothing like that before. All ages, punk rock, no metal. You know, there was nothing like that before. And uh, 
I thought y'all were amazing. You know, you talk about you guys were in a different bands. Like I liked the replacements and things like that. And I kind of put you guys more in that world, harder edged at that moment, at that point. But I kind of felt like that more sort of those type of bands that I also liked, you know, and I saw you guys and I was like, what, wow, what potential for a band from Erie? That's crazy. And, uh, you know, he said we could do it. I remember sitting in this house right below here in the living room with that letter from John Brandon and Mike was like, you call him. And I'm like, I can't call him. Mike said, just call him, man, call him. And I was like, I can't call John Brandon, man. He's like, he told you in the letter to call him. I was like, all right, man. I could just see Mike doing that. Yeah, he was on my ass. So I called him like, hey, I'm uh, Matt, you know, and I'd met him, you know, book buying a t-shirt off him or something, right, but he and, you know, and I was like, look, you know, we want to book some shows in the area. We'd love to bring Laughing Hyenas. And this and he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be around like April if you want to do something. I was like, really? Okay. And that just set the whole ball in motion. And so I probably called you next. I was like, hey, I really liked you guys. And da, da, da. You want to do this show? And you're like, uh, whoever you are, yeah. And I had met, <clears throat> you know, Jock Tom Dark hard. Like anytime Knife Dance played, I went to see them. And they'd always opened the shows that we'd go to in Cleveland. And uh, so I was a Knife Dance fan. So it was Laughing Hyenas, Knife Dance, and Lost. Mm-hmm. The first show I ever booked. So saying all this, say you're a very formidable person in my life and getting started in this, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of what all we did together back in those days. Yes. So the summer of 89, we booked a bunch of shows. And after that, I moved to Houston. And that was always like my plan. I, my plan was not to book all those shows that summer. It just all happened. But my plan was to move to Houston for school and all this, which was not anything that really worked out. What other shows did you do that summer? I, I have vague memories of certain bands like coming to the Continental Ballroom. And I know you were behind it all. But the, the timeline's a little fuzzy for me. Well, not all of it. Like, Pete booked all. Later, when I, after I left, Mike had booked Shutter to Think. But we had no effects in the AGs. Mm-hmm. We had MFD, mm-hmm. Jawbox, the Jawbox controversy, if you remember that. You were part of it. I kind, in Maximum Rock and Roll. I kind of remember it. You, you had my back in, in the Maximum Rock and Roll letters section. That was a band that had a girl singer, right? Uh, Jay Robbins sang, but Kim... I think they were they were she was the, she was a part of the band yeah Kim. What was the controversy? Well, we booked man, see, So was look, it about money? Yeah, but look, <laughs> it always is. Yeah, but funny thing is, now this is I mean like so the AGs hit me up about booking No Effects and the AGs. No Effects hadn't blown up like they had have now. They're huge, but back then they were mid-sized punk. Like they weren't for nothing in a bigger city like people for sure knew no effects they wanted to play here they had a tuesday they wanted to do a show and i told them straight up i was like look man i know who you are but nobody here knows who you are this is not like a no effects city and the ags weren't big at all you know like i was like no this i mean i'll give you all the door and that's all i can say i mean it's a tuesday night we'll promote it you know, people will come out, but it's not going to be a lot. Like people here don't know who you guys are. And there's actually a lot more stuff going on now than it used to be. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It's better than a night off. And they stayed with who probably say with that's the scum house or something. You know, I don't know that for sure, but you know, 
And I remember giving them like a hundred bucks, 60 bucks for no effects and 40 for the AGs. Mm-hmm. That's just how, you know, and I didn't take any money, you know? So Jawbox, they had, like, they were coming through the, the area. I probably wasn't a weekend. I don't know, but I, it was the same deal. I was like, look, you know, I love y'all. I'm a government issue super fan. You know, Jay Robbins, of course I want to book you, but I can't give you like some big guarantee. I don't, you know, there's not a ton of people, you know, and actually that was later because I'll, I'll quantify that. That wasn't 89, the summer of 89. That was a show I did later when I came back. Okay. Because when they, they played and there was hardly anybody there, it was okay. And I gave him the money and she freaked out at me. She's like, I didn't, uh, man, we didn't come here for nothing. We almost hit a deer. I swear to God, that was one. She almost hit a deer. It was terrifying. And this now I was like, uh, you asked me for this show. And I don't, I told you, this is eerie, man. This is, these people in the area are not like just up on everything. There was no internet, you know. And she got mad. And I remember pulling out like 40 more dollars out of my pocket. And I remember writing about that saying that this is the money I was saving up for our tour. So it had to be 1990 when we were going to go on tour. I was like, I took some of the money that I had saved for the tour to just give them some extra so they could go on, continue on and blah, blah, blah. And in Maximum Rock and Roll, she said some stuff like how like righteous they were or something, you know, or like, no, she said something about how she sometimes had to get tough with promoters (laughs) and this and that. And, uh, I was like, whatever. I didn't, I was like, whatever. I didn't write anything. But you wrote in like, yeah, that's some BS. Cause you came here and you were da 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 and you were like, da da nobody da 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 like you, you said some things and then it turned into like a back and forth in the letters like every month. And I finally wrote one that was like, look, man. Between me and her? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah, that. it did. Yeah. And I was like, this is what happened. I had to take money that I was saving up for myself out of my pocket to pay them. When I told them from the start, nobody knows who you are here. You know, and whatever it is, what it is. But <laughs> what? Who did the digit show? Was that you? Man, that was Tim Skelly. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I was already gone, and did the digits play the Continental, or did they have to play somewhere else? I knew Urge Overkill <laughs> came and oh, had yeah. to play like a basement or something. No, 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 no. Who put? No, they I both think, came. I think Urge Overkill did come. Mm-hmm. I think they played the Continental. Was that you or Tim? That was Tim. Yeah, because I remember being in Tim's mobile home with them. Um, uh, but one of those shows, nobody showed up at the Continental to open up, and they had to like do a house show. It was a digits. A digits, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was a digits, and that happened on like, like it happened on like Fourth and Myrtle. I remember because when I got on my motorcycle to go home, the clutch cable broke, and I had to speed shift it the whole way home without a clutch. I remember that night. Oof, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was ninety. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, that, that summer, man, East Bay Mud, the, um, my, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of knife dance stuff. I don't remember. There was a bunch of shows. It was fun. It was a fun summer. But that kind of set me on my path. And then you guys were putting out seven inches and tapes and things like that and doing your thing. And we decided we wanted to book you a summer tour, a lost tour in 1990. And... I've been digging through the archives here. Man, look at that. And I found, in fact, I've got, I don't know why I have two copies here, but these are both the lists of the shows. 
and uh, it was so crazy because the AGs who played with no effects, I think they're the ones that hooked us up with the first show at ABC No Rio, probably through My Three Scum, because I'm pretty sure they stayed at the Scum House. And the first show on the tour in 1990 was June Saturday, June 16th, ABC No Rio with the AGs and My Three Scum. Oh, <laughs> Mike Bullshit, the promoter from Go. Yeah, I remember. Who later put out records with Yannick in Holland, just like you did. Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, I was. Uh, that was a great venue, actually. I think we were there more than once, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, ABC No Real was the spot, man. It was such a little dingy place that, like, but it was so open to everyone. It's the only English speaking place on the whole block, I think. Man, it was crazy on Rivington and uh, the Lower East Side, basically. And I remember we took off, me and Mike and whoever took mm-hmm. off for a walk, and I found a guy selling bootleg hats, and I bought a bootleg NWA hat that day that nice. I wore for the rest of the tour. I remember that. We're not going to get too into all the music we listened to on that tour. I don't want to talk too much about choice and hoes with attitude and things like that. I mean, I don't want to get into too much of that. No backseat Betty talk. Backseat Betty. <laughs> <laughs> remember the Jag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm so happy that you remember that. And uh, the, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and ice cube first album, America's most wanted was a big thing for us. That tour. Now, Big thing for you. For me. Well, we were all listening to it. You were hearing it. <laughs> I was hearing it. Yeah. But I remember for y'all went up to Boston and we went to DC like cuz we had two vans. <laughs> Excuse me. Mike had a van and y'all had a van and for some reason you guys went to Boston but we went to DC and uh stayed with our friend Tamara and uh had a kind of a debacle down there with the Safari Club and with the DC space. I remember. So we we didn't play DC, did we? I think that no, that the the people didn't open the doors of the Safari Club or something crazy. We played in Richmond, though. I remember that place. Yeah, Richmond was one of the weirdest cities I've ever been in. Like strange, strange people. And yeah. you, I don't think you were with us. But there was like a head shop. We were walking down the street, and HR was standing outside the head shop. I remember you talking about yeah, it. We so met we him just on the saw street. HR. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Florence, South Carolina, Augusta, Georgia, Gainesville. Like Florence was a bright spot, I remember. Lots yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that was the coolest thing back then. Like you don't think about like small towns in Florida being punk or whatever, but we had all these little towns in like the southeast that are like suppose they're you know, they are rednecky, but there's these crazy punk scenes that people came out. Yeah, it looks you know. like we were crisscrossing there for a while. Mobile to New Orleans, back to Pensacola. Yep. Oh, there was some crisscrossing. Back up to Memphis. Yeah. Yes. And then the infamous Sam and San Antonio. I was just talking with my daughter about how I'm still salty about losing our van, but I don't think that was this tour. I think that was the next tour we lost our van in San Antonio. I don't Antonio. think it was that tour. Was it in San Antonio? Hmm. We definitely lost a van in San Antonio. Oof. Not on this tour. It was on another tour. Yeah, we definitely kept going on this tour. I remember Lubbock. I remember Santa Fe. But yeah, San Antonio was with Monsula. I remember them. Gotcha, yeah. And that was in like a weird little room. Do you remember Boulder? (laughs) Do you remember the Boulder, Colorado show? Or I don't know if it was Boulder or Fort Collins. 
or Colorado Springs. It was one of the three, one of those cities in Denver. Do you remember that? Not Denver, in Colorado. I remember. I think the only Colorado Springs, we definitely did that. We did all those. We did, did all those. Did Denver. Denver was like a nice, fairly good sized room. And then we went to Minneapolis after that. Mm-hmm. Was that right? Libido Boys show at 7th Street Entry. Yeah, you're something like that. You're going back on me here. I said, yeah. Well, if. <laughs> this is We're... great. I love how you got to call them for the pay. Zero. $37. Zero. $130. That was Colorado. I remember Colorado Springs was a good $34. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. Oh, that was rough. We fi- we That was a self finance tour, by the way. Everybody had to bring their own allowance or whatever. But right. gas was like 89 cents at the time <clears throat> in two days. But yep. uh, one of those cities was a hippie spot in uh, like a coffee shop in Colorado, if you remember. And this really, before emo was a term, there was this real kind of emo hippie band that played before y'all who were very like flowery and hippie and they're like anybody has anything to say we're opening up the mic y'all come up and say what you got to say and people came up and we're like we got to stop the injustice of the world of this and like that's how i feel too i'm, I'm with those people that want to stop the injustice of the world that's fine but we were just standing there we're eerie dudes like i was 17 18 at the most and uh they were like this emotional like people are getting up like saying this stuff and uh we got up and got on the mic. We're like, eat meat, cut down trees. Like just saying dumb, ignorant, eerie stuff. And they were just looking at us like they were so mad. They hated us. <laughs> but the problem was that. You was, and Mike did yeah, that. Of you course, and Mike yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. And the problem was it was their PA. It was that band's PA. So their set ended and they're like, yeah, whatever, dude. And they start taking down the whole PA. And we're like, what are you doing, man? They're like, yeah, we're, this is our PA. We're leaving. What happened to but, solving the injustices of the world? Yeah, bro? come on, man. We're all equal just because we eat pigs. Anyways, uh, we, they had, I remember in like the storage room of this place, there was this little crap PA with a couple speakers. And we scrambled in while they were taking their stuff out. We scrambled and pulled this little thing out and set it up. And you guys still got to play and got $34 or whatever that was. But Boulder, that might have been the zero. Yeah, it was one of those shows. Denver, I don't know. I don't think that was Denver. <laughs> no, Denver was a good show. I remember that. That's so funny, man. But <clears throat> so we capped it off in Minneapolis, huh? On the first one, I believe Minneapolis was the end. The Beetle Boys headlined, and what's the other side of Seventh Street Entry? First something, whatever. First Avenue or Seventh Street mm-hmm. Entry? I think you were in the First Avenue. Same were, club. A, yeah, it was a pretty good sized room. Hmm. I have no recollection of that. Brother. And a good show. Well, uh, that was fun. That was the first tour, and that's what gave me the bug, you know, to like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on the road. I enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, we have other random things here, but now. Where, where was this slap shot show that we played on? The Pipe Dragon. <laughs> that had to be Cleveland with Confront. Okay. I would assume. WBNY, that's a Cleveland station. BNY. Oh, my gosh, like it's Buffalo. our set list. BNY sounds like it would be Buffalo. So maybe it was Buffalo. Hmm. Man, we were doing a lot of covers. Look at that. 
We opened that show with Taking a Ride by The Replacements. That's right. This has to be very early because that's the song we did in the high school talent show. Like, yeah. That didn't stay around very long. I don't recall where I would have gotten that one. <laughs> but if you'd like to take another trip down memory lane. Oh, why not? You and I decided in 91 that we were going to travel Europe. Yeah. I don't think I even, I think you knew about backpacking. I don't think I really even knew what that was. But it sounded great to me. And I remember we got, our flights were from Toronto to London. <coughs> Round trip, 350 each. Mm-hmm. Back then, round trip, Toronto to London, and it was easy to drive up to Toronto back then without passports and all that. We had to have passports to go to London, obviously, but my mom drove us up. Your dad picked us up and we came home. Yes. And this is photos. This is an audio podcast. This isn't helping y'all, but this is us in the Dodge Caravan on the way to the Toronto airport, and it goes from there. The first picture on the bottom, I believe that's... um. Uh, uh, Yannick's place in Tilburg. I think you're right. I got to take a picture because, like, actually, like, my son just turned 17, and like, actually, like, I just realized like we look a lot alike because I got I hair. In, I got hair in this picture. Yeah, man. Well, if you remember, we landed at Heathrow, and we had no plan. We had no cell phones. We didn't have much money, but people told us it was really easy to hitchhike. So we went out and we found someone at Heathrow to give us a ride to Victoria Station. We did get a ride to Victoria Station, and uh, that's in Cologne. Well, we have to, we're going to have to talk about Stamheim. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> but on that trip, we landed in Heathrow, and someone gave us a ride into the Victoria Station, and we had to figure it out from there. We went to Piccadilly Circus and got a hostel, and... Quickly realized we that were not we were not going to last very long in London. No, we realized yes. it was way too expensive, mm -hmm. and we spent a good day there. I think we went to Rough Trade Records, went to a couple record stores, walked around, and the next day we looked into taking a ferry from Dover, England, into Brussels. <coughs> I remember that with the goal mm -hmm. of getting to this guy Yannick in the Netherlands and spending less money. Yeah, but who had said <laughs> he had a place for us to stay? Yes. This is another funny story. Somehow, the first day of our trip in Europe, if you remember this, Dover, at the ferry, they asked for my passport. I don't have my passport. Someone stole my passport. Mm -hmm. The police in Dover wrote me a letter and were like, okay, this will get you into Belgium. You just go to Brussels to the embassy or whatever it is, the consulate, and go take care of this in the morning. It was like an overnight ferry type thing. We got to Brussels, went to the train station to sleep in the train station. We had nowhere to go. None of it wasn't even an option at the time we got in there. The hostels, none of the hostels were open. So we're in the train station and we're like in our sleeping bags, like in a corner, hoping to be able to sleep when the hoses come in to clean everything. We had to get up and they're just like hosing down the entire place. And we're just awake and like, all the signs are in French and Flemish. No idea where we're at. Second night there, barely ate. Freaked out about how expensive London was. Get up in the morning. Go to the consulate. And they say, oh, our computers are down. It's going to be a few days before you can get a passport. And we're like, man, we can't spend this money like staying in a hostel or hotel here. We need to get to the Netherlands, man. 
So me without a passport, <laughs> we said, forget it. I had the letter from the cops in England. <laughs> Just roll with that. Yeah. We got on a train to go into the Netherlands. They came to check our passports. And uh, the guy was like, you could be anyone. I don't know who you are. I'm like, man, look, this is my driver's license. This is this letter from the police. I don't know. They took my passport. Belgium's computers are down. I got to do this. I don't know what to do. He's like, he just didn't want to deal with me. Just let us go through. We get to Amsterdam. We go to the consulate, and you have to, like, ring the bell outside to get in. I don't know if you remember this. I hope that I spark a memory for you. <laughs> because I laugh about it sometimes when I think about it. We're, like, going there. We're nice, easy to deal with people. And our first uh, American, like, American trash dude experience in Europe was uh, – we walk up and we're about to go to ring the bell, but someone got in front of us and it was a white guy with long black hair and a leather jacket. And he rings the bell. He's like, I need to speak to someone right now. I'm an American citizen and I need assistance. And we're standing behind him like, what is this man? And so then we go up and we're like, Hey man, you know, my passport was stolen in the UK and we're here and I need to know Belgium. Blah, blah. We told the story. And, uh, let us in. I got a passport that day. Everything worked out, but there was still money we had to. I had to spend that we didn't have much of. And so I hit up Yannick, and Yannick's like, "Oh yeah, well I'm in. We're in Amsterdam." He's like, "I'm in Tilburg, which was maybe two hours south on the train." I was like, "Okay, we're coming down." And he was totally happy to have us. But when we got there, we were talking, and he's like, "You're from America?" I was like, "Yeah." We wrote back and forth. He said I could stay there. He's like. Oh, I thought you were Matt from Australia that had this label that I was doing a thing with. I didn't I don't really know who you are exactly. I was like, uh, well, remember we wrote these letters and we became great friends. It was nice. He lived in the squat. We were staying in a squat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that was our first experience there. But then we had a free place to stay. Everybody was cool. We got to kind of get acclimated to Europe. And that was our beginnings over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were just scrambling for a bit until uh passport got worked out yeah. and there's Yannick oh yeah I gotta see that guy <laughs> I remember him very well actually oh yeah mm. yes there he is yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah he took care of us man he, we went to France with him as well later in the trip he was yeah oh, I'll never forget him in Paris jumping through those things and yeah. smoking weed on the Arc by the Arc de Triomphe and he was a uh, he was a true anarchist yeah he was a true anarchist he would just we we did not pay for the train ever he's just like just pushed us through the the turnstiles and things and was like what are they going to do nothing nothing <laughs> <laughs> I also remember walking into an apartment with him I remember that. Oh yeah, having to stand and squat the to bidet. use the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> but he had us uh he took us into a place in Paris. Like we stayed in the suburbs of Paris, which was like not the quote unquote nice part, but it was great for us. But um we walked into a room and this guy walks in and pulls out like two kilos of hash. He looks at us and is like, blah, 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 hold on. Uh, yeah, it's probably like, they're okay, don't worry, whatever. And uh, he pulled that out, and we're like, okay. But um, after that, went to see my friend Constantine in Cologne. Yes. Yep. A very nice fella. Yeah, and stayed at his family house. 
And this is the funny story. Stumheim. In fact, yeah, Stumheim. We went to Cologne and stayed with his family. Got showers and everything. Got to stay in like a proper room. Now, remember, you were about to like shower or something. You're like, we're about to get ready or eat or something. And I, do you remember Wright said, Fred, I'm too sexy? I do. Never saw that or heard that in my life. But that's some Europe stuff. <laughs> and I, the TV was on and you were in the other room. And I came running up like, you have to see this. Come in here. And you're like, what are you talking about? You came in. You were just almost disgusted. You're like, what? Why did you make me come in for this? I'm like, look, this is the craziest thing I ever saw. Like, this is Europe. I'm too sexy for my car. car. Too, too sexy, sexy for, for my car. car. Too sexy by far. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was dying. And you were like, whatever. What the hell is this, man? And uh, that's just a memory there. But then his parents were like, you know, there were no cell phones. I don't think Constantine had a phone. He had like a one-room apartment. And they're like, yeah, he lives at this apart this apartment in Stamheim, which is a suburb of Cologne. So we went to Stamheim to find him, and he knew we were coming to Europe, but he didn't know when we were coming to his place. And he was at school or whatever, and we just sat on his stairs for a quarter of a day or something, waiting for him to. He comes walking down the street. We're like, hey, dude, we're here. We go into his place, and it's smaller than it's about as big as this room that we're in right now. It's like a bedroom. And we had our sleeping bags like just laid out on the floor. And we're like, okay, let's go to a bar. And we go to a bar, just a normal bar. It's all, you know, older guys, older German guys. And we're like, hey, oh. And we're thinking, oh, they're excited to have some American people from somewhere else in this little town. We're, just, we're talking totally normal about normal stuff. No question, you know, nothing weird at all that night. And we drank too much, maybe. Went back. Went to bed. Next day, there was a soccer game, a football match. And we're like, well, where can we go watch the uh, football? Constantine really wanted to see this game. And I was like, well, let's go back to the Byman Grid. That's the bar we were at. And when we went back there, I was like, hey, you guys were behind me. For some reason, I went first. And I got there. And I saw one of the main guys who we had said goodbye to as we were leaving the night before. And he was really cold to me. And I was like, hey, man, we're here. Are you guys watching the football? He's like, no. What? He's like, Do you have a TV here? Where's that? He's like, we have no TV here. And I look over and there's like a TV. <laughs> I'm like, what? And then some guys came over like, are these the guys? Is this the guy? And a couple other people came up, like right in my face, like, "Are you? Were you guys here last night? Are you the Americans?" And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh." And it was like a a bigger night at the bar, like more guys, and it was a gay bar. <laughs> and we found out at that moment. And these guys, the older dudes who were buying us beers and talking, just normal stuff, nothing at all. There was no like indication of anything. Nobody was hitting on us or doing anything. But like they were mad that we left. They were just like, "No." And you guys walked up and you're like, hey, what's up, guys? And they're all like, Ugh. and a couple. And I remember one guy, I think either me or he like put his arm around one of us like, hey, come on in, guys. What, what? And it was like very obvious that they were very excited that the young American 18 year old dudes were back. And I was like, <laughs> we got to go. I was like, whoa, what is going on? <laughs> and they were like, all right, play the guys. And. I remember you, me, and Constantine went to a bar with a TV about the size of uh, like a 13-inch television in a, and we were the only people in the bar. And watched the football match. Watched the football by ourselves. 
I remember that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, lots of memories over. We went to Prague. I remember. I think that yeah. was your idea. You really wanted to go to Prague, and I didn't even know anything about it. And I was like, this is one of the coolest places. To this day, it's one of my favorite cities. My daughter just went there last month. <sighs> Man. Yeah. I told I told her I said you gotta go you, you gotta go to Prague. She was doing all these day trips from Aix mm-hmm. uh, in Provence where she was living for like six months. And I'm like, you gotta go to Prague. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she did. Yeah, she got around. But yeah, coolest place, coolest place. Mm-hmm. And from there, there were more tours and more of this and that. But what I remember, Lost broke up, and uh, you went solo. Tell me about the formation of is it bullet a bullet for Fidel or bullet for Fidel. Uh, just a bullet for Fidel. Bullet for Fidel, yeah. I uh, just was playing some solo things and uh, had a chance to do, I guess, a show and didn't have a name, and that's what Tim Skelly came up with, and it kind of stuck. He came up with that? Yeah, I didn't come up with that. Wow, I always wondered about that. I was like, why is Brian... But as time has, pa- kill, but as time has passed, <laughs> I, as time has passed, it fits and it works, so yeah. I stick with it. Yeah, it fits now more than ever, actually. Yeah, for sure. What's... um. Did you have a release before? Because, I mean, I saw you in 94 with Prison Shake, Guided by Voices, and... uh, The Insects of Rock Tour. Nothing Painted Blue? Yes. No, uh... What was the third? The, there was four bands. You, Cobra Verde. Cobra Verde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I've been listening to all their records like nonstop on a live way. This, I, yeah, yeah, because I only only heard you know I was out of things for like thirty years, mm-hmm. so I'm catching up on everything now. Right. So I actually got a box of um, I I got a box of like scat CDs. Wow. And I've just been catching up on everything that I missed. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah, I like I like Cobra Verde quite a bit. Yeah, Scott Scat put you out, put your first record out. Uh, yeah, there yeah. wasn't, we didn't, there was not, it was, you know, my memory's a little spotty. Yeah. Um, what I remember is that I had a four track demo and what I, if I, I think the first single was don't want mama to know backed with the song, a bullet for Fidel. If I remember correctly, don't want mama to know was literally just what I had recorded at home remastered, mm-hmm. but we recorded the song, a bullet for Fidel at the beat farm in Willoughby, mm-hmm. which was a dream come true for me because a lot of my favorite records have been made there. Mm-hmm. So, um, which, uh, but yeah, that was the first record. I don't think there was there was nothing before right. that. And Scat Records was Robert Griffin's label from Prison Shake. Yep. Previously, the Dark. Currently of the Dark. Currently the Dark now. <laughs> hey, back. Everything stays. That's right. Stay and. Man, so I remember in 1994, I saw you in Hoboken and in New York on that tour at like a warehouse kind of loft space in, in Manhattan. And then the Knitting Factory? No, it wasn't the, the Knitting no, Factory. No, that what was tour. It, it, no, it was, was called, a total, like, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was waxing lot. Space. It was called the Waxing yeah, Space. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, it was really just a space. It was cool. Yeah. I had tripe for the first time <laughs> that day in my life. Wow. Yeah. And then we went to Maxwell's in Hoboken. I remember that. Yep. Yep. And uh, 96, I'll never forget, living in Amsterdam and seeing your CD on the wall of like a really nice record store. Hmm. A Bullet for Fidel CD was just on the wall, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's Brian. He made it. You know, 
Yeah, you were working there at the no. time? Or well, you, I was living in Amsterdam for that year. And okay. With the knitting factory doing stuff. Okay. But um, not at the record store. Okay. I just went to the record store and I was like, oh, man, Brian's face right there on the wall. It was yeah. amazing. Lots of cool stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, that was just, that was, would have been cold, the cold before morning thing. Yep. That had to be it, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are that. That was like, I mean, so seriously, like, I want to reiterate in here, like, some of the most formidable things that formed me in life in those days was with you, you and I going out and doing stuff. I mean, like, how could I have booked a tour? You know, I mean, think about your own band and people quitting and things that just happened that, like, right. people quit right before the tour. You got a freaking record about to come out and they quit or they're like things like that happen. And you're like, all these great things are happening. Bam. And then somebody can't handle it, you know, but you handled it. We did it. Well, it was, you know, there was a thing in theory was this, none of it. Well, I guess like the scum would make records and make recordings and book shows and do all that themselves. Like, I don't know that we were necessarily that together. So I think like, you know, we were just messing around in Pete's basement. I think like, yeah, you know, without, what you brought to the table, I don't think the scene really kind of ever happens. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, uh, you know, we're very grateful for that. It was a lot of good stuff, you know, a lot of thankless labor on your part. Well, no, it was thank- <laughs> no, it wasn't thankless at all because it gave me something to work with. It's like, you can't work with nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to have something that's viable to make some things happen. And lost was a big catalyst for that. For me is like, I like the band a lot. Liked you guys a lot, and you were ready to go. Like, okay, let's do it. I know so many people who they wouldn't go anywhere for $37. But if the music means that much to you and you really want to do it, you're going there, whether you get the $37 or not, and you're going to go somewhere the next night too. And it's going to build to the point where it's sustainable and things can happen, and 30 years later you can be working on another record with Robert Griffin and <laughs> legends and the thing, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's there. Yeah. Like it's the foundation funny. gets laid. Yeah. It certainly was a different world. There were no shortcuts to building a base. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you might have an opportunity to like get maybe something written about you. Like they kind of got it by voices. I think somebody in Rolling Stone wrote a piece about them or something. And that was real helpful. Like maybe they wouldn't have been able to, you know, like, uh, you know, snowball like they did without that piece uh so i guess that could that existed back then i guess the ability to go viral or whatever mm-hmm. in a way but not like today not like today but man to this day guide to buy voices puts out now an, al- an album every six months wow they put out two records a year easy wow because i met it's crazy because he sent me the audio from their show at that new york show Cause I met him in Montreal randomly. He was like, yeah, man, I, I you know, work with guided by voices. I do. I was like, oh man. Yeah. I first saw guided by voices in 94 in New York. My friend, Brian, blah, blah, blah. With Bullet for Fidel. And then the Cobra Verde. And he was like, yeah, I was at that show, man. I was on that tour with them, man. Yeah. We have, we actually made a record of that tour of that show. And I was like, what? And he sent me the files of it. He's like, yeah, we have a live album from that show. Was it the nothing painted blue guy or his name's Kip Corey, huh? the PR guy. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that no, they still are doing. Yeah, there's recordings of that show of him of Guided by Voices, and I was like, um, and so we talked about all that stuff, and so I'm on his mailing list now, and it's, there's always a Guided by Voices album coming, still. 
Yeah, sets her soul. I was at I was in Maynard's studio doing some stuff the other day, and he has a couple of GBV set lists on the wall, and um, you know they're super long. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girls had just gotten back from seeing Taylor Swift and telling me how long that show was, and I took a picture of the set list and I said to, to send it to Griff. I'm like, I'm like, when a set list is that long, you know it's either GBV or Taylor Swift. Man, one of the two. Man, <laughs> one of them you can afford, one of you can't. But I've actually seen both of them. <laughs> I got to see Taylor Swift. Where was that? Ah, man, in San Antonio at the AT&T Center. um, I guess the record was probably 22. And my youngest was probably 10 or 11. And she was so into her and so into that album. And I had a friend. I actually have a good friend whose father is the manager of Taylor Swift. Okay. Like Louis Messina. And his son, Jeff Messina, is a good friend of mine. And uh, I called Jeff, and he connected me with somebody in the company. And the Austin show was too much, too many people on the list or whatever. But he's like, I can give you four tickets to San Antonio the next night if you want. And so I got to take my daughters and my niece to nice. the show. And to be very honest with you, I for sure don't sit around and listen to Taylor Swift. But she very she had a nice show. Like it was like a Broadway play or something. Like oh, it, was they, a, it was a production. Like it was, I was actually like, this is a show show. Dude, they were showing me all these videos they took on their phone. Like she dives into the stage and swims. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a super, it's like a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like a play with multiple acts. Like at well, least it's like Broadway, man. Yeah. At least they're putting something into it with what yeah. they're charging. My God. At least what they're charging for sure. And musically there's way worse than Taylor Swift. I agree. At least she's writing songs. She's writing songs and she's not terrible. Like it's nothing that I jam to, but she gets some attitude too, which I, yeah. which I like. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I'm not against her at all. And I've seen guided by voices and Taylor Swift in my life. It's crazy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Man. But yeah, things are, uh, are great for me to see you coming back, making music. You know, it's, 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 it's been really good to be some of the stuff that we've been had a, opportunities to do has been good mm-hmm. you know there's a couple of different configurations there's an eerie bullet configuration there's a configuration that involves some guys from cleveland and guys from st louis and um that's really great because well, i'm able to look down like a list of songs and go but you know what based on you know these guys vibe and proclivities i think we'll do this batch with them and see what that sounds like and then you know we'll do this stuff here and and so you know it's all getting to tape or however that's done these days mm-hmm. and and then uh you know we'll see what it's like when it's all you know when it's all together but there's some of it well a lot some of, of it's sounding pretty good well the Vidal stuff was solo that you released wasn't it acoustic solo yeah you know and i still i still write stuff that way yeah. but for whatever reason um a lot of the stuff in the last year and a half has, has been more band oriented. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I, I can't wait to hear all that because uh, from doing radio and, and all this other stuff over the years, I've had no shortage of people giving me their demos. And the worst thing in the world is not when you get a bad demo. It's when a friend gives you a bad demo. And I was like, I had no, I mean, I love you, man. No, no doubts about it. But when you gave, you gave me a CD with 22 songs 
and I had to, I, it, I didn't put it in the first day. It took me a couple of days where I was just like, all right, all right, I need to listen to this. I got to listen to my boy, man. I got to hear this. And I was, I'm not just saying this at all. I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe surprise is the wrong word. I loved it. It was great. Like you had some real writing. It sounded like Brian to me. And I was telling Mike and then I was like, man, I put this in. And I was like, man, it sounds like Brian. This is what I was, you know what I mean? This is what I want to hear. This was great. Yeah, there's a little, uh, there's, and there's probably, I don't even know what was on that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was a year and a half or so. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what that sure. was. And I need the, the updates. Yeah, I mean, there's probably been another 10 or 15 since then. And then um, the thing is, you know, honestly, like, I had the opportunity to work some of this stuff out with, like, guys who, like, in terms of musicianship are, like, in terms of rock and roll sensibility, mm -hmm. way, way past me. So they bring something to it that is, you know, they, they elevate it, you know, so it's nice and uh, it's fun too, man. It's, it's a good yeah. time. You know, it's a good, those sessions, we did some sessions at PACA, um, uh, when David was still there, we had tried to record at Johnny's and a piece of equipment went down. We had to move everything over to PACA because, um, Scott Pickering and Jeff Irwick from Cleveland were here just for like the day, um, as a rhythm section. And uh, they ended up like doing this one version of Eight Years Old, which I think I gave you a, a mm -hmm. rough mix of, which is it's real, it's really, it's really hopping, you know. And uh, it's not something that I would have really come up with. So you know, uh, but we we shotgunned it over at Paca, which was a great place to work. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, man, it was it was a lot of fun. Man, collaboration can bring out the best in people and stuff. And I really, uh, but I think you're writing hadn't missed a beat and it had been some years since you had written music right mm, not necessarily you were writing still yeah mm -hmm. yeah i don't know that i ever really stopped okay i mean definitely maybe for a while but, but it wasn't so. a public thing it was right a right yeah, right yeah. i didn't put anything on tapes for a while so there's a lot of stuff i mean there's stuff even stuff on there's probably i'm sure some of that's real old okay yeah have you posted anything yet like online no i really don't do any of that hmm i think this podcast is going to merit three to six songs on soundcloud that we can point people to once they hear this uh we can absolutely do that i'm you sure you got 30 songs we put a few of them out there to, so people can just sing and say hey if you enjoyed this podcast check this out this was coming soon with, yeah with absolutely would it be a scat records thing? Hopefully, I or? have no idea, man. You know, yeah. like Robert's uh, Robert's been a huge, huge mm -hmm. piece of it. Uh, he's my my favorite guitar player, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, but I don't know. The the stuff is all moving towards getting mixed, right? And then we'll figure it out from there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I incorporated a little label of my own just in case I want to use it for something down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, so. God knows, brother. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I do think it's time to post a couple. Post a couple jams up for the people, man. There's people who want to hear it. And uh, as weird as it is and as kind of whack as it is from our history and what we do and love, I, I still buy records. I, there's certain records that I don't want to hear online. And if I am order it yep, and I get the streaming link... I don't actually listen to the stream. I'm just like, let me get the record to listen to it properly. Yeah, while I've been gone, 
everything changed. Like yeah. vinyl went out, CDs came in, CDs went out, digital came in, then records came back. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. all of this time that I've been gone. And it's like, uh, so I bought, actually, I bought a turntable for the first time. Like I haven't put it together yet, but it's sitting in my basement. And like, so I bought a bunch of scat CDs and I was going to buy a bunch of scat records and then see where it goes from there. But I, you know, like you said, it's just, there's an experience that a lot of people will never know, you know, getting that package from scat or touch and go in the, in, in the mail and opening that record and smelling that record and, you know, laying down, oh, no. laying down and playing yeah. that record, you know, and, or like, you know, spending the better part of your Saturday, you know, driving to Cleveland, to driving to Chris Warped or driving to home of the hits and Paul records in Buffalo and, you mm -hmm. know, getting the latest releases, you know, and exactly. Dri driving them home and shutting your door and just laying down with your, you know, like there's a lot of people who'll never know uh, what that's like because uh, it's gotten very easy, right? It's gotten really easy, but I think that uh, as an artist and uh, somebody who people would be interested in hearing from the past and then discover new people discovering, it is a thing we have to do. We do have to post these things up, and I do think there's an argument to be made against some of the streaming services, but me personally, for what you're doing before you actually have that release that you're selling, selling, I love SoundCloud. I love SoundCloud for... I find I hate it for rap, the worst of the you know because you can put the worst of the worst on there as well. By the way, but if you go into like the weird experimental, like electronic, and kind of people they're doing stuff that's way out there, that's just kind of they post it up there, and you find like it it's an experience too. It's fun, and it also can be like going through no 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 no, and then wow, what's this? It's just like an online streaming thing. Yeah, and it's it's different from Spotify and apple and all that it's not like this it's 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 the kids posting their songs up huh. and like of course you can follow the ones that you like or you can say like for example <clears throat> i always do these christmas mixes hmm. you know every year i'll find like the weird christmas rock songs or christmas hip-hop you know whatever I've exhausted so many of them, like Run DMC Christmas and Hollis or whatever. That's years ago, whatever. But if you go on SoundCloud and you search Christmas, this year I, there's a, a genre coming out of South Africa that's like, like a house sort of genre called Amapiano. It's practically what I listen to mostly now if I'm just in the car riding or whatever. Like I love Amapiano beats. <clears throat> I didn't know any of this existed, but... Last year on SoundCloud, I searched Amapiano Christmas. Man, there's a bunch of producers who did these weird, like, housey, South African, housey Amapiano Christmas remixes. Hmm. And I made a whole mix for people, and I put it out there for people to hear. That's what's interesting to me. Japanese noise. You're going to find something you never heard. Eerie. Austin. You know, Boston, Amsterdam. You can search like by city. You can say like, I want to hear what kids have posted up from Calgary. It's just it's there. It's like so that's kind. Of, it's kind of an interesting tool for that. So uh, for discovery, that's not as cool as getting the record and this and that. And yeah. this, but it is. It's kind of cool to be able to find like, like when I do internet radio, I want to. Re you know, if I'm living in Austin, I want to represent a bit for Austin. Yeah. The newest, you, you can put in the last seven days, Austin. 
or the last 30 days or the last year or uh-huh. whatever, Austin. I'm like, oh, these three songs are really good. These 40 songs suck. But these are actually, you know, so you find it's, it's kind of a weird, cool way of discovery. Whereas on Spotify, you can do similar things and things like that, but it's more of a commercial sort, and they're going to drive the bigger releases towards you. It sounds a little more punk rock. It for sure is. Yeah, I mean, you have to tell, uh, there's a local industrial act uh, called Combat Speakeasy. They got to be on there. That I really like. Well, I don't think they've got anything out yet. Mm. And um, like I told him, I, was, I know the guy, and I was like, because I've heard some of his stuff, and I really like it. And I was like, I was like, you know, I get dibs on that Combat Speakeasy single. And he's like, dude, I'm not doing any physical product. Like, this is all going to be streamed. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah. I'm saying three Bullet for Fidel songs by next week on SoundCloud. By next week. <laughs> three songs. You got your hundred songs. Nothing's mixed, though. They're mixed enough. <laughs> it's the internet. You gave me on CD. They sounded good. They don't even have the, uh, we don't even have all the parts on them yet. You have three songs. You can let some people hear. Three acoustic, only Brian songs. Uh, might have something, yeah. I know you do. For sure, yeah. Look at these pictures of us on Paros Island in Greece. Come on, man, on motorbikes. And think about that. The spirit we had riding mopeds on a Greek island. Oh, there's that goat. Yeah. I remember being out climbing and almost falling off a thing and thinking, like, man, like, if I fall. Where was that? Uh, I went climbing one day by myself. I don't know what you were doing. uh... Sleeping. Sleeping off the ouzo. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What's with all the records there? I don't remember that. That's Tiberju in Vienna. He had a record label in Vienna, and we stayed there because he was friends with the girl we stayed with in D.C. on the first tour, Tamara. Okay. And they were friends, and that was his new baby. <laughs> that, if you remember that guy there in the, the middle picture, and then there's the girl in Prague before Airbnb. When you get off the train, old Czech ladies would be there. Accommodation, accommodation, accommodation. Yes, I remember that. And we're like, yeah, we need accommodations. And we are standing with six or seven Mormon kids our age from Salt Lake City. And they're like, oh, we have a seven place for 10 people or something. Oh, oh. and we were all like, oh, yeah, we could share that place. And we stayed with those people in a, and that's back at, at, in Tilburg. In Tilburg, yep. I was like, when we stayed with um with them in a place in Prague, we all had our a place, and we went to the discotheque. <laughs> There's yep. Jan, and then we went back to Yannick in Paris. Yeah, Yannick and Arab <laughs> took us to Paris. Yes. Well, there's a lot of Arabs in Paris. They they got a lot of them there. His name was Arab, Yannick and Arab, and then they came. They oh, stayed right. with me in Houston. And Adam, they came right. to Houston and hung out with us too. I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I was in Erie. You were down there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, what a ride. That was a ride. It was fun. We're just getting started. Yeah. Well, let's get started again, man. I'm excited for what you got going on. I really do think uh, this podcast will be very much so enhanced if we can put in a link to hear a couple samplings of what you got going on now because it's been some years. They had you featured on the wall in Amsterdam, man. We got to get you back up there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's time. Well, I mean, like that song, that that one song. It's time. Remember that one? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> on you <know>? the blue tape. <laughs> I got the blue tape. I might put that on right now. It's yeah. time. There's just, just like there's these demos and other things like that. Was this thing that uh, John's son Louis is so into this? You get contributor points. What is that thing called? Not SoundCloud. Is it Bandcamp or Bandcamp's dope too? I don't know what it is, but hey, there's something, there's some internet thing where like, 
I don't know, you get contributor points or whatnot. You can list anything there or whatnot. And like, they've got like, there's like these lost demos that I don't even remember making. There's like a, there's like a, a lost demo on there. There's a buckshot record. There's all these records. And John was showing me all these things. And I'm like, man, I have no idea like who even made that record. Like I, I, I there's a split single with us and the pain teams yeah, that, that I, I put, it. I put out or did you put it out? I did not put it out, but it was hand, hand, hand sun, screen, hand screen yeah. cover. Yeah. I have it. I have all you have it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I put it out. Once I saw it, I was like, oh, I remember. I'm pretty sure, I remember, yeah. I remember silk screening those. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, but uh, yeah, all that was on sound, sound. I think it's on SoundCloud. No, no, not SoundCloud. Uh, well, Band- Bandcamp or whatever. I mean, if I'm forgetting the name of this thing. It's it's some big internet thing where you list records and you can sell. Discogs. Discogs. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. You can buy them off Discogs and stuff. Yes. But, yeah, because Bandcamp would be if you still had physical copies, especially you could sell them through there, and also you could either sell the the streaming, the digital, or the digital plus the thing. Which I've spent a lot of money on Bandcamp to buy albums, you know, buy the vinyl, mm-hmm. you know. You get it like a little package where you get the vinyl and you can stream it and everything. Yeah, and then it, you get that deal. and you get the the link to be able to stream and and download the digital MP3s or waves or anything. Yeah, Bandcamp's the shit. Like. I love lots of weird experimental music that comes out of Africa now. Yege Yege tapes, a lot of the Afrobeat stuff. Like that stuff is they they utilize Bandcamp big time and they put out cassettes. Yeah, I heard cassettes are coming back. They're back. Yeah, I'm for it. I'm for it, man. I'm for all that because uh, you know, being older, uh, we listen to record. We listen to stuff on Spotify in the car. You know, and I'm the type, I'm like, wow, this record's not mastered at all. You know, it sounds okay, but like the one song's up here, the next song's yeah, down here. This yeah. I'm like, man, give me the record. Yeah. The Laughing Hyena you know. stuff that I have in stream, it sounds horrible. Really? Yeah. Like the stuff that I'll stream off Amazon Music or whatnot. Like, yeah. it, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's when they switched it over, they didn't do it justice. It wasn't made for that. Yeah. Yeah. I got the third man reissues just because I felt like I had to. and They're good. Vinyl wise. I've never really tried to stream them, but no streaming is up and down. Like s- playlists that are made by the, the algorithms and stuff. They're so there's generally really horrible, but you hear like, like a Husker do record wasn't mastered the same as a replacements record or a shutter to think record or a naked ray gun record. And so they're constantly up and down, up and down. It's just not that cool. Whereas like radio, which can be mostly generic, but radio has that compression mm-hmm. to where they try to make everything kind of fall in line and have a certain level and sound the way it's, you know, whereas the streaming, it could go so radically different yeah a lot of the bluetooth and things like they have in the software where it'll try to keep maintain a certain thing but you can always tell if when they mastered it to digital if they really tried or if it just literally got like press record and press play and sent over and sounds crappy and worse when you buy the 40 dollar lp now that someone reissued and they didn't remaster it for vinyl it was just like the cd mix or their whatever the mix or they maybe right yeah, off the cd cut to an acetate or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> and it sounds horrible there's so much of that there's so many people especially with rap well not i can't say especially i'm sure every genre but in rap there's records there's double 
vinyl records coming out of groups I barely heard of. And I'm deep in like the independent rap thing. You know what I mean? Like groups from Birmingham, Alabama that I thought were dope on cassette 20, 30 years ago, somebody in Germany put out the record and it sounds horrible. It's just not, uh, I don't know. Everything's weird, but I think you're on a good path. I'm very excited that uh, you've got the music happening. You've got the people behind you. You've got people you're working with. You're still kicking. Yeah, actually, you know, this, uh, this I, I mean, th- this stuff, once we figure out what, what's going where, you know, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, you know, you never want to say like, well, this would be a better record than blah, 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 because everything's different and it's all relative, right? But I mean, it's it's you know the stuff's okay. The music sounds great, man. Yeah. I need to put it out. Three songs. We're gonna have three song link. All right. We'll post this up. Be we're gonna fig- we're gonna figure it out. Three songs, man. I'll talk to Maynard. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> well, you got a master. You don't want it to sound crappy, right? I mean, three acoustic songs on the SoundCloud that sounds like you sitting on the porch. Oh, that's not hard to do. No. Or in the basement. Some I don't good... ever sit on the porch. All right, the basement. Sounding like <laughs> sounding like Brian, Bullet for Fidel. That's all I know how to sound like. Good. That's amazing. I love it. All right. After that, all that time, you came back, came back hard. No, I'm serious. When I say that, when I listened to the CD, I had a moment where I was just like, oh, man, what if this is horrible? It wasn't at all. Because I feel that I, I deal with that a lot, where I'm like, man, I don't want to tell this guy, because I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I'm not going to tell you. If it was horrible, I wouldn't be like, man, Brian sucks, but we wouldn't be doing a podcast right, right now. <laughs> Inviting him, I'd be like, all right, Brian, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been thanks fun. Thanks for the CD. Yeah, it was all right. No, it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's been fun, man, you know, and there's stuff that even that, uh, there's some fun stuff too. There's a, you know, there's a, a little, you know, there's a light, there's a lightheartedness to some of the, uh, the newer stuff, which is fun, uh, good. you know, uh, and, you know, I don't know, I'm for it. Um, for so if anyone want to get in touch with you want to hear something or anything is there you have a do you have an online presence no i prefer not to <sighs> yeah uh so he's gonna make me be his online presence that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know once there's something finished we'll get around to all that get get out and uh get something out and then uh you know just do it the old-fashioned way and Go playing music in front of some people and try to sell a single and some T-shirts and see what happens. Also SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, that as well. <laughs> and Bandcamp. Band Get the Bandcamp band is is. Uh, Maybe we'll start a fanzine. I don't know, man. I'm with it, man. I got one right here. We could we could Xerox up. We could we could reissue it right here. I think I had a fanzine that. at some time. Probably I could just pick up where I left off with you. you had uh, unsung unsung. B side and, and throbbing tool split. That's right. That was half Tim's. was his and half, half was mine. Half was yours. You and Tim Skelly, unsung and throbbing tool. Maybe it's time for a new issue. It's about time. It's been, what forty years? I think it's about time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got people waiting. People are out there, man. They're waiting. Like, when are they coming back, man? Oh, it's funny. Get Tim off his ass. I seen him in California a couple of years back, but not yeah. since. Yeah. So. I've talked to him. Cool. Tim Scaly. Yeah. Dom Conti. All them people. I hope to have Dom under my roof very shortly. I was uh, texting with Mike Conti yesterday. The original singer of Lost, by the way. What? I don't know. No, he sang at a talent show with those guys is all I know. They sang Ramon songs at a talent show. 
That was me. Mike sang one time. Okay. All right. I, I, that's that's what I remember. For some reason, Mike sang with those guys at one point. Uh, it was it was probably before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had the band; they're just looking for a singer. Yeah, yeah. Mike's more like riffs and chops. Yeah. <laughs> and photographs. And photographs. Yeah. Said, oh, he's a great photographer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lots of history here, E. Pennsylvania. This is the series Talk So Real with Matt Sonzala. I'm talking to some of my friends out here, and this is number one, Brian DePlacido, a bullet for Fidel, coming soon on a vinyl, eight track. Probably not CDs. Probably not messing with all that. You know, maybe a tape. A track that sounds good and then soundcloud gotta bring back those players that looked like detonators yes yeah exactly i like that real to real i do prefer analog yeah there's a real to real player in this house somewhere get to it yeah, yeah so make me one i'll listen to it right now i love you brother love you man so great to see you man what a great uh Reunion here on the uh, internet. Talk So Real is available on all the platforms from the Apples to the Googles to the SoundClouds to the Spotify's to the Stitchers to whatever you listen to podcasts on. If you happen to not see it there, let me know. We'll make sure we get it up there. Matt at uh, pushermania.com is the email and uh, Talk So Realist on the Twitter and just Matt Sanzala on Instagram. And at some point, I'm going to make it all uniform so you can get to me a lot easier. But for now, that's how it is. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for coming through, Brian. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we're going to do a part two when when the shit goes platinum. I like it. Double platinum. Double platinum. Yes, I'm ready. I'm going to put that record out. When you are ready to put out Bullet for Fidel, double platinum, that's when I'm starting my label. I'm going to blow up. I'm here for it. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, y'all.